You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguda, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good morning and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. I kind of stupidly said yesterday that I was going to take the weekend off from podcasting. But of course, Arsenal are in action today against Glasgow Rangers, and I'll be bringing you some reaction to that game at around about 4.30 p.m. UK time, live here on the YouTube channel and available in podcast format uh, just shortly after the conclusion of that show. And then as if that wasn't enough to keep me busy over the weekend, we had the reports late last night that Arsenal have agreed a deal in principle with Brighton and Hove Albion over the signing of Ben White. Now, we've been talking about this one for a while. We've all been quite confident that the deal was going to get done, that Arsenal were going to meet Brighton and Hove Albion's £50 million valuation for the England man and it seems as though that agreement has finally been reached. Now, there were reports maybe a week and a half ago saying that it had been agreed. Then we had contradictory reports from a number of outlets suggesting that no, actually Arsenal's latest offer was £47 million, which was still £3 million short of, uh, of the deal that Brighton were looking for. We also heard that Arsenal were willing and understanding of the fact that they were going to have to pay £50 million, but there was then the stumbling point of agreeing on a structure for that deal. How would those payments be made? Uh, we know that Arsenal uh, quite like a structured deal, don't they? And we know that for other clubs, that's not ideal because they'll be wanting to replace, they'll be wanting to use the funds that the sale of Ben White generates to uh, improve their squad. Brighton are a club who have got a really good manager at the helm at the moment, in my opinion, but have struggled to kind of create some sufficient distance between themselves and the bottom three. And they keep finding themselves in a position where, yes, they end up avoiding relegation, but they're not quite uh, far enough away from it to be comfortable and to start aiming for that kind of next next step in, in their progress. So, yeah, um, positive about the news, quite pleased with it. Uh, talked a lot about Ben White, talked a lot about what he would bring to the side, why I think Mikel Arteta is so keen, so interested in him. We talked a lot about his ability to play the ball out from the back. Um, that is massive. Arsenal obviously lost out on, on the, or have lost out now on David Luiz, who's left the club and the qualities that he brought to the table. And I know a lot of Arsenal fans were divided on David Luiz from the day he joined the club, but you can't deny, I don't think, Last season, he was our best and most consistent central defender. I thought he was brilliant. Injuries caused him some problems in the latter stage of the latter stages of the season, but overall, he was he was really really good. And although, as we've said previously on on multiple occasions, going into the the transfer window, a lot of us wouldn't have said that centre back was a priority. I think that was partly with people um, sort of overlooking the fact that Saliba probably in the eyes of the club anyway, and in the eyes of Mikel Arteta still wasn't ready. I think you've got to factor all of that in. But when you do think about it sensibly, when you do take a step back, actually, I do think that I was probably wrong 
to suggest that centre-back wasn't a, a key area. Mikel Arteta's got it right when it comes to centre-back so far. And so in that area, if no other area, you've got to give him some kind of credit and you've got to put some trust and some faith in him to make the right calls and to make the right decisions. And I think that this is a sign-in uh, that will come on to explain a little bit in detail why but I think suggests and shows and indicates that the club are moving in the right direction. And it gives me a bit of faith, actually, in the club's overall transfer strategy. Now, some of you are probably sitting there saying, what the hell is he on about? Why does this sign in indicate that? But we'll come on to that in just a few moments time. But I just want to share with you the details of this report regarding Ben White. So we know that Arsenal have reached an agreement to the value of £50 million that would see Ben White leave Brighton and come to London to sign for the Arsenal. We know that Ben White is very keen on a move to Arsenal. We know that the personal terms are not going to be an issue. Uh, the medical is yet to take place, and that is what this deal is now subject to. It's subject to that medical being completed. However, if you're going to be one of those people that's going to be on Twitter every day saying announce Ben White for the next few days, you'll be wasting your time because Ben White is away on holiday and is not expected to return uh, back to kind of football until the 26th of July. Now, that means that there's, what, nine days uh, before that deal can actually be officially completed. So it's one that's in the bag. It's one that Arsenal have done. I don't expect there to be any issues in the medical that would potentially scupper the deal. So Ben White will become an Arsenal player. It is just subject to that medical, which, as I say, isn't likely to take place, according to what I've read, until at least the 26th of July, because the player obviously was involved at the European Championships. England went all the way to the final. Therefore, his holiday started a little bit later and he's not expected to return until that point. Um, am I ruling out a medical being done kind of on the side, maybe in the destination where he is? Uh, maybe he's, I don't know where he is, but, you know, sometimes you see these things happen. Sometimes you see players walk away from their holiday, take a, a little bit of a break uh, from it and, and sort of bounce back quicker just to get deals done, make themselves available to get deals done. Um, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if we are uh, kind of forced to wait until, as I say, at least the 26th, 27th of July for this deal uh, to be uh, officially announced by the club. But by all accounts, it is done. Ben White wants to join the club. The fee has been agreed, and I don't envisage there being any issues with the medical. Right, let's uh, let's go over to the uh, live chat box. Let's say a few hellos. Uh, if you've got any questions, hold fire on them. I will come to those in a little bit. Uh, let's say good morning to Assassin General, uh, to Alejandro, who joins us from Brooklyn, New York. He says, hi, hi, Harry. Hope all is well. The sun hasn't even come out here yet. The sun is shining here in London. We've got a nice few days of good weather on the cards, which is great. Uh, big hello to Saeed, to Nishith, uh, to Jerome, who joins us from New Zealand. Hope you're well, my friend. Um, I've got family in New Zealand, actually. Uh, what else have we got here? Big hello to Roy, to Man Like Mo, uh, to Dupe, to Hambo, to Nikoma, to Manny, uh, to Vinay. I hope you guys are all well. And Vinay is joining us from Trinidad and Tobago, lovely part of the world. And a Noonan is joining us from Limerick. We've got Daniel West, who's in Glasgow. The Arsenal are in Glasgow today as well. And of course, uh, Femi is there as well. Right. Let's talk a little bit about 
the kind of Ben White thing, let's talk a little bit more in detail about why I think it is that he has been uh, somebody who's appealed to Arsenal, who's appealed to Mikel Arteta. And we'll come on to talk about why, yes, the fee is is a lot of money, but why it's not the end of the world. Um, so let's start with what he brings to the table from a footballing perspective. Well, I keep talking about his ability to bring the ball out from the back. He's also a bloody good defender as well. And, um, you know, when you think about, again, going back to the David Luiz thing, I think having David Luiz in the side gave Arsenal an extra weapon, gave Arsenal the ability to first of all invite teams on and beat the press and play around uh, the sort of the, the press of the opponent in a sort of comfortable way, but also it gave us the ability for our centre back to look up and ping balls over the top and often release players, particularly in the wide areas, uh, and and sort of get the ball from defence to attack with one pass. Ben White has that range of passing. Uh, that David Luiz brought to the table. And Ben White is still young and Ben White could still improve. And, you know, you've got to look at all those things. Obviously, the homegrown factor is important as well. Now that we're in a place where uh, that is important, that that is a regulation, that is a rule, it's good to see that Arsenal are taking that into consideration. The fact that he is homegrown, the fact that he is English, the fact that he's an England international undoubtedly added a really big chunk onto his price tag. I recognise that. I accept that. Um, but Ben White in his career so far has been someone who has risen to every challenge, really. And if you cast your mind back to his time at Leeds United, where he went there on loan, and I was covering Leeds United during their promotion season, uh, when I was working over at Snack Media, that was one of my clubs. I was on Arsenal and Leeds for that particular season. And so I watched a lot of him. I watched a lot of Leeds United. I looked at sort of how the player was developing. I looked at his versatility, the fact that he can step into that midfield role, that defensive midfield role, if needed. I still think he's better as a centre-back, but he does give you that option. And that is because he is so comfortable on the ball, because he can uh, sit in a slightly more advanced position, win balls back, but then also has that range of passing to get moves going and to get you sort of building and flowing. So he is, for me... um, a really good all-round defender. And I think as well, to go to Leeds at a time where they were obviously vying for promotion just after they'd kind of missed out uh, the season prior was a real pressured environment. You know, Leeds are a massive club. The fan base are very demanding and Leeds fans the season prior to that started to smell the possibility of getting back into the Premier League. And having failed to do so and having lost the way they did to Derby County in the playoffs the year before, they were desperate to do it. And so there was a massive pressure around Leeds United at that point. And Ben White was, um, you know, instrumental in that. If you speak to any Leeds fan, they will tell you how important, how key he was in, in that promotion season. What a huge Uh, part he had to play. And if you remember, Leeds United actually made some really big offers. I think close to around about £30 million for Ben White at that point. Um, You know, those offers were rejected by Brighton and Hove Albion, who kept hold of him and he played for them last season. But Leeds were were quite keen to to try and make that deal permanent. In the end, they couldn't because they couldn't afford it. Um, But, you know, Leeds recognised his potential, recognised his ability. And for Marcelo Bielsa to kind of say to the club, I want this guy and I want you to break the bank to get him was kind of 
for me, a real strong indicator as to how good this player is. Marcelo Bielsa is a fantastic coach. And if he's kind of beating the Ben White drum and he was doing it back then, then I think, you know, the fact that we've had to pay, you know, what we've had to pay shouldn't come as a massive, massive surprise. Do I think it is slightly on the on the high side, slightly on the over the top side? Yeah, uh, maybe. But as I said on a podcast a few weeks ago, nobody's going to talk about Arsenal spending £50 million on Ben White if he comes to the club and he succeeds. The fee only becomes relevant if that player is underperforming. And it was similar to the case of Nicolas Pepe. When you think about Nicolas Pepe and the way he's performed uh, sort of towards the end of last season, all of a sudden that £72 million talk went quiet, didn't it? Because it, it doesn't change the fact that you paid £72 million for him. But what it does is it divert the, the good performances divert away from the fee. And then the fee is not such a big issue. And it's not something we're talking about on every given opportunity. And I would I promise you now, I will not even mention Ben White's fee. If he comes into the team, performs well, and looks like a player that can help us in the longer term, sort of get back to where we need to be. Now, this is a really, really interesting deal as well because of the fact that it's not just a transfer for the now. It's a transfer for the future. And I talked earlier on about how this transfer for me signifies a change of direction in Arsenal's transfer policy. And I think when you look at the bigger picture right now, now, you know, we're all hearing that Arsenal want to sign six or seven players this summer. Do I think that we'll get six or seven of our primary targets uh, during the course of this window. I think that's a little bit far-fetched. I think that's a little bit ambitious. If we do, great. But what Arsenal are doing here, and you can see it in the profile of player we're signing, we're looking at 22, 23-year-olds who have some experience, not a great deal, but some experience, have incredible potential. We're signing these players on long-term deals where we can go on and either get lots out of them as a football club. And then if we need to, for whatever reason, we have the ability to still sell them on and recuperate money further down the line. How many times over the years have Arsenal gone and signed a 26, 27-year-old, signed him up on a five-year contract, got towards the end of that contract, and we've all sat there as fans and gone, oh, we need to shift this guy, but who's going to pay for him? Who's going to come and break the bank to sign him? Who's going to give us what we think he's worth? Who is going to give us what it's going to cost to replace him? And who is going to help us recuperate some of that money? It, it hasn't happened. And that's one of the fundamental errors that the previous regimes have made at Arsenal Football Club. Spent huge, vast amounts of money on players. And listen, sometimes it's it's okay. You know, you look at what we paid for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. And although he didn't have a great season last season, he managed 15 goals, which was poor by his standards, but not by general standards. When you look at that, you go, well, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang essentially carried us for a couple of seasons, scored a decent chunk of goals last season. I actually think he probably will score a few goals again this season. And over the course of the investment, it's worthwhile. Look, strikers cost more money because strikers score you goals. But we've not just done it with strikers. We've done it with defenders. Squadron Mustafi, prime example, 35, 36 million pounds. And we got to the point where nobody bloody wanted him and we had to terminate his contract. We gave Mesut Ozil that huge contract 
And again, as I've said in, in, in previous shows, I'm not saying at the time that that was wrong because had we lost both him and Alexis in the same window, I can guarantee you everybody would have gone into meltdown. But the point is here that Arsenal need to think with the future in mind. And when you do that, you can actually afford to, and I'm not saying I want him sacked now, but you can actually afford to sack managers knowing that you, you're still building the right squad and you're building a squad of players who, if a new manager comes in and decides he doesn't like them, at least they put, they possess sell-on value and he can move those players on to help him make the team that he wants to make. So this, for me, not just the Ben White signing, but the signing of Albert Laconga, another player of that same profile, some experience, decent chunk of experience, has the potential to go on and be a really, really top player and also maintain his sell-on value and, and be with us for a long period of time. You look at Nuno Tavares, another one. And if you think about some of the other players that Arsenal have been linked with, Martin Odegaard again, you know, there's a lot of talk about that, about Arsenal kind of waiting and trying to see if anything can be done there. He's another player who fits that bill. Yes, you're going to make a bit of an investment in him, but he's a young player again, with a really, really high ceiling. Then once you get those players in, it's over to the coach. It's over to the coach to improve those players, to take them up to the level they need. And I've seen a few of you sort of on social media kind of replying to a tweet I put out this morning saying, well, tell me another club who succeeded in doing it this way. Um, You know, what do you define as succeeding? Because if you're talking about winning the Premier League title, if you're talking about winning the Champions League, we know that the only the clubs that spend stupid amounts of money and can afford to spend stupid amounts of money uh, on players season in, season out, go on and win the Champions League. Liverpool, a bit of an anomaly to that. You know, they, they built the team in the right way with Jurgen Klopp. But you look at like, you know, Champions League winners of the past, Bayern Munich, every summer they're going to go and get a massive signing in. Um, and, and, you know, these teams, they've spent that money to get to that position in the first place, whereby they can just add one or two players each summer, a bit like the way Ferguson used to do at Manchester United and keep it fresh and keep themselves at the top and keep themselves challenging for the game's biggest prizes. But Arsenal are not in that position. Arsenal are in a different boat. And at a time where we've all been crying out for somebody to come in and completely gut this squad, rip it out and rebuild it from scratch. I can't believe there are people sitting there saying that actually we're wrong in trying to build this way and we're wrong in trying to do it this with kind of this method. I I, I just don't get it. Uh, For me, you know, that's the only way to do it as Arsenal Football Club. And it's an approach that we abandoned many years ago for reasons I don't understand. You know, Arsene Wenger, when he first came in, what was he notorious for? What was he great at? What was it that propelled Arsenal to the levels that they reached under the great man? What was it? It was being clever. It was making signings in the profile of these kind of players, the Patrick Vieiras, uh, the Thierry Henrys, you know, players who had shown potential but hadn't fulfilled that yet, hadn't got to that point and were of the right age profile. And then he got them in. He saw the talent. He nurtured that talent. He developed those players and they become world beaters. I'm not saying Ben White's going to go on and become, uh, you know, the best player in the world. But to say that this is the wrong approach, I think is is a bit naive. I, I don't understand what you want to see equally. And, and I'm not defending the Cronkies because I don't like the way they've run the football club up until this point. 
But you can't say they're not backing Mikel Arteta. You can't say they're not all in on Mikel Arteta because they have spent money since he's taken over. They spent money even prior to his arrival, to be fair. The money was spent badly. But despite a, a disappointing season last season, they're clearly in a place now where they do trust Arteta to build this squad and they're giving him the tools to do that. £50 million on a centre-back, that plays for Brighton at a time of great financial difficulty when we're still in a pandemic, you know, people will say it's over. People might say it's over from Monday, but we're still in a pandemic. That's the reality. You know, I think that you've got to, you've got to be optimistic about it. Look, if it, if you sign Ben White, if you sign Lekonga, if you sign Tavares, if you sign whoever else it is that Arsenal are planning to bring in this summer and it doesn't work, then I think we can all sit there and say, okay, it didn't work. But we're not at that point yet to make that judgment. And as Yonick points out in the chat, and I think this is absolutely spot on, as much as I dislike and don't believe in Arteta, signings like Gabriel, Partey and White are exactly what we needed. For too long, we went for quantity over quality. That's how I feel as well. And, and I think that's summed up brilliantly uh, there in the chat. I mean... Has the transfer policy been that bad since Mikel Arteta came into the club with Edu? I mean, barring the the Runerson and the Willian signings, how many signings have they got wrong? And also, it's not just about bringing in new players. It's about securing the futures of the ones that you've got. And during this Edu reign, if you like, we have tied down Bukayo Saka. We've tied down Kieran Tierney. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang got the new contract that we all wanted him to sign. Emil Smith-Rowe is very close uh, to signing a new contract as well. So we've got a load of players that are our future and Arsenal are building a core. And that core looks like this. It looks like Ben White at centre-back, along with Gabriel, two players with the potential to go on and be really, really good centre-halves. You look at the midfield and you've got Thomas Partey's in there as well. And yes, he's a bit further down in his year, down the line in terms of his years. But you've got Lakonga coming in, someone who can go on and fill that role. It's, there's forward planning here. For once in our lives, there is forward planning. You've got Emil Smith-Rowe. You've got Bukayo Saka. You've got Gabriel Martinelli. We've got so many young, promising players at this football club. And Arsenal are building a new core. And that new core might not elevate us to the top of the Premier League straight away because things take time. But if you can't see that they're at least trying to build the right core, then I'm not sure where we're kind of, what the expectation is. Are you expecting Arsenal to go out in the summer and sign Erling Haaland up front? Are you expecting Arsenal to go out in the summer and sign Rafael Varane from Real Madrid? Are you expecting, at centre-back, are you expecting Arsenal to go out and and bring in, you know, a top world-class midfielder who's going to cost us an absolute shitload of money. I don't know. If that's what you're expecting, I can tell you, you know, you're going to be disappointed because that's not going to happen. This is the approach Arsenal have opted to take. I think it's the approach that's needed to be taken for many, many seasons. Maybe it'll go well, maybe it won't, but I don't think you can pass judgment on it until we see how this pans out. And I think that I think that there is signs that the transfer policy has shifted. I've been saying this for a few months now. If you think back to what I've been saying since we started, you know, talking about the summer, um, I think that this is a good sign. I think that Arsenal are moving in the right direction. I'm quite excited 
and I'm quite positive. Let's get some of your questions in the live chat box. Uh, get them in with a queue at the beginning so I can pick them out. I know there's been a few in there already and I've kind of been rambling on, so I've missed some of them. But if uh, you want to get a question answered, feel free to chuck it in the chat again, even if you've already put it in. Let's say a few hellos as well. Can see some of you join us from Ethiopia. I hope you guys uh, are well. Love to Ethiopia and everywhere else on the planet that you join us from. We'll do that at the end. We'll uh, round up where everyone's tuning in from. Um let's uh let's quickly bring you guys an update on Manuel Locatelli because there have been more talks between Sassuolo and Juventus now from what i've heard uh, Sassuolo and Juve have sat down and discussed the potential of Manuel Locatelli moving to Turin Juventus at this moment in time are not willing to pay more than 30 million euros for Manuel Locatelli however Sassuolo are aware that they can get 40 million from Arsenal. So they are holding out for that 40 million figure. That's massive money for a club like Sassuolo. The only issue is that, of course, Manuel Locatelli wants to go, doesn't he, to um, to Juventus. And we're going to, I guess, see uh, how important player power is in a situation like this. Let's uh, let's uh, check in on the likes before we go over to your questions. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't subscribed to the channel, uh, please do so. It really, really does help. If you haven't hit the like button, please do that too, because that massively helps. And we've seen a lot of growth over the last few days. So really pleased with that. There's over 235 of you watching us right now on, um, on YouTube alone, but we've only got 46 likes. Let's try and get that up to a hundred. It's easy work, but it really, really, and I know I always bang on about it, but it really does help. Also just a quick reminder as well, that this podcast is brought to you by the brilliant guys over at manscaped.com. So for all your male grooming needs, make sure you check out the website, Check out all the fantastic products. If you enter our discount code, it's 90min20. You will get yourself 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. So you can stand to save yourself a fair amount of money. Uh, I promise you the products are excellent. They're fantastic. And with the sun shining here uh, in London or wherever you may be, it's summer pretty much everywhere on this. You're in the other side of the world, I guess. Uh, then uh, you, you'll want to get things in order down there. Uh, so uh, do check it out, manscaped.com. And uh, we thank them for their very, very kind sponsorship. Don't forget, enter that discount code. It's in the description. And uh, as I say, you can save yourself a fair bit of cash. Uh, right. Let's um, let's go over to your questions. Uh, Inter says, uh, why was you at the protest if you're happy with the regime? So I was at the protest about the European Super League. Uh, that's what that protest was about. Because I think that they they do some things okay doesn't mean that I agree with their position overall. Um, I think that I, I don't get why that's difficult to understand. I think you can't fault the Cronkies for spending money because the club have spent money in recent years. You know, I'm sure somebody could dig out the figure in, and, and pop it in the chat. There has been a lot of money spent at Arsenal since the Cronkies became involved with the football club. The problem is that money has been spent badly. And that money has been spent badly because the wrong people have been in charge of it. The wrong people have been in charge of making the big decisions. Now, I don't think for a second that Stan Cronkie sits in his tower somewhere in, in the US and, and says, oh, I quite fancy the look of Ben White. Let's go and spend £50 million on him. He doesn't. He's got people in the job to do that. Now, those people have been the wrong people. And for that, the Cronkies 
have responsibility. All I said was that they are going big in terms of the investment in Mikel Arteta because at a time when many, many fans are calling for his head, KSE and the club are still throwing money at him. So there's obviously, you know, there's obviously something there. You know, they're obviously trying in that sense. It doesn't mean that it's going to be successful, but I think to say that they don't spend money is mad. And then you get people saying, oh, but the club uh, spend the money, not the Cronkies. Well, it's their fucking football club. So if the club spend the money, it's their money, isn't it? It's not yours. It's not mine. As much as we as fans want to believe this is our football club, it belongs to the Cronkies. They can do whatever the hell they want with it. And I don't agree with a lot of the decisions they've made. I've always said I don't like their passive ownership style. That is the biggest problem for me. And the protest that I attended was about the Super League. And everybody was up in arms about the Super League and frustrated by that. And that doesn't sort of, the fact that they are spending some money now doesn't take away from the fact that I thought that was a horrible thing to do, uh, the wrong thing to do. But, you know, it, it's, they're two different issues. I think you can dislike someone. Like, you, you take the, the UK Prime Minister, for example, right? You can think that Boris Johnson is a terrible Prime Minister, which I do. Um, but it doesn't mean you have to disagree with every single individual decision or move that he makes. There will be things that you look at and say, yeah, actually, I agree with that. And, and there'll be others that you disagree with. But you make your decision overall, not on particular strands and and when it comes to the money strand i don't really have that much of an issue with ksc because the money is being spent and has been spent my issue is is in other areas uh let's pick out this one from vinai who says uh, would gabriel and ben white be too similar to play with each other and instead it would be holding and white so this might be a bit of an unpopular opinion but i don't actually think that gabriel is very good at progressing the ball out of the back line i don't um I think he's really physical, he's really strong, he's really quick, he's really powerful, and I think he's got a lot of great attributes, but I think he needs someone next to him who can progress the ball. I think it's why him and Rob Holding as a pair didn't work very well. Uh, it's why Pablo Marie and Rob Holding worked better, because in Pablo Marie, you had that player who could pick the ball up and, and, and sort of move it out of the defence quite comfortably. And then you had Rob Holding alongside him, who, again, I don't think is quite up to it. But, you know, the centre-back pairings are not just about having the two best individual players. It's about the players that complement each other. Uh, it's about the players that strike the right balance in terms of what you need at that in that position. And I think that Gabriel and Ben White actually would work well together because I think that Ben White would bring that composure, would bring that ability to progress the ball that I keep talking about, whilst Gabriel brings a greater physical presence. Uh, I think Gabriel's quicker across the ground. I think he brings more of an aerial presence as well. And I think for those reasons, I think they'd actually complement each other quite well. Uh, let's pick up this one from GK Rienke. He says, uh, we as a fan base need to lower the temperature. We've got a lot of players that need to be moved on before we can make any more signings. We have to trust the process and the manager, regardless of our opinions. Uh, Russ Morgan, just touching on Locatelli there, says stay away from Locatelli. He doesn't want to come. Waste the time. Let's do something else. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Papos says, uh, Harry, who would you prefer? Nevesh, Awa or Locatelli? Ooh. Uh, well, for me, the best player of the three is Locatelli. Uh, and I'm not basing this on, on what he did at the Euros, right? I'm a big Serie A guy. I watch a lot of it. I saw a lot of him last season. Um, 
Locatelli's the better player, but as as a few guys have said, you know, if he's not in on it, if he's not wanting to come, if he's not keen, then then do you want him really at the club? Uh, out of Neves and Noir, I actually think that I actually think that this depends on on the way Mikel wants to go in terms of his midfield. I keep saying this: if he wants to play the four three three, then I think Awar is a better option. But if he wants to play the four two three one, then I think that Neves is the better option. I think that there's less of a risk with Ruben Neves because he has done it in the Premier League. He has uh, shown himself to be at a high level. Obviously, he's still young as well. A lot of people don't realise that. So there's less of a risk in that sense, but there's going to be a bigger fee. So you've got to weigh up the kind of the fee and, and what you think the player can achieve and what level they're at. You've got Neves and Awar. One is probably going to be available. Awar, that is, for probably £10 million less, which is significant, in my opinion, especially at a time like this. So uh, maybe I'm leaning a little bit towards Awar, but that wasn't my stance a few days ago. Maybe it's just I'm being influenced by what I'm reading, what I'm seeing. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, Syed says, after the signing of Ben White, do you think there'll be another big signing? Yeah, I do. I think there will be a big signing in midfield. I, I do expect that. Um, I think that Arsenal, in terms of the attacking midfield position, so the number 10 role, if you like, are holding out to see what's going to happen with Martin Odegaard. I really do believe that. From what I've been told, he was right at the top of the priority list. And quite a way out in front of of any other suitors that Arsenal were looking at. I think that Martin Odegaard probably could become available for the right price because of the fact that we're in a place where um, Real Madrid are, are going to need to raise funds. I know they've their stance has been quite hard up until now, uh, but why wouldn't it be? You know, they're not going to publicly say we want to sell him. That instantly drives the price down and it's bad business. So I do think Arsenal will be keen to see if that one can be done before deciding to spend on another player of that profile. But I do expect there to be another significant signing in midfield. I think there'll be um, a goalkeeper coming in as well. And whether that will be a significant one as well, whether it will be a Ramsdale um, or if it will be somebody that that we're looking at just to kind of backfill Burn Leno, I don't know yet. Uh, but I do expect there to be at least one more high profile signing. Yeah, for sure. Um, Let's say a big hello to Thomas, who says, Morning, Harry. Long time no see on your live show, but I'm following diligently on Spotify. No worries, mate. Thank you. And he says, excited for the new season and the new signings. I'd love Locatelli, mate. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Thomas, uh, for your support of the show, for being a member, etc., etc. Don't forget, if you guys want to become a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. You can check out our membership proposals. There's three tiers of membership available and you can decide which, if any of those appeal to you. Quick reminder as well that, right, that this show, if you're just a YouTube uh, viewer, which is fine, uh, but if you ever want to listen on the go, if you are interested in listening to it while you're doing other bits and pieces, this show is available on all major podcast stores. You'll find it on Apple Podcasts. You'll find it on Spotify. You'll find it everywhere. Um, so, uh, yeah check it out um right let's uh let's continue uh through the chat box um let's see where we are um let's take this one from ollie he says great show harry your grind is inspiring hope abraham for lacazette doesn't happen just not a fan of him yeah i know a lot of people feel that way about tammy abraham me too 
Um, it's not one that excites me. He would kind of fit into that profile of player that I'm talking about, though, wouldn't he? Well, bit of potential ability to improve and go on to bigger and better things, but isn't quite there yet. But again, you know, I can't with Ben White. I like what I've seen about Ben White. So or from Ben White, so I can I can get there and I can be OK with it. But um, if if it's Tammy Abraham, I don't feel quite as confident that it's a, a worthwhile investment. I've got to say, I agree with that. Um, wow. Thank you so much uh, to Inny for your very, very kind super chat donation. Mate, if if that is a mistake, um, please DM me and I will ping that money back to you. Uh, because that is a lot of money. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. If it, but if it is a mistake, please DM me um, and let me know, and I will ping it back to you. I promise, because I'm honestly taken aback by that. So thank you. Um, if it was meant, I really, really appreciate. It. I appreciate anything, even just hitting the like button. I massively appreciate it. But if that is a mistake, then please do um, do DM me, and I'll make sure that that gets pinged back to you. Because um, the last thing I want to do is is make someone feel like uh like they have to kind of make that kind of donation so i do really appreciate it but as i say if it is an issue ping me and uh i promise i will um i will ping that back uh he says he wants left back cover a ball carrying midfielder a center back priority midfield partner for parte uh, an attacking midfielder a goalkeeper and he wants to selling to sell some and loan some of the squad players we are making gradual progress yeah i i agree with you i think you're absolutely spot on man i really do um I think they are positions that we need to to bring in people for. I just, I'm I'm kind of a little bit. I don't want Arsenal right to go and address all of those positions half heartedly. So I'd rather we addressed four of them and did them properly, i.e., sign the players that we felt could uh, take us on to another level, um, rather than we kind of half heartedly do some of these deal. Uh, address some of these areas by bringing in players that are okay. As somebody said, I think it was, was it Yonic? I can't remember who it was in the chat earlier on. Somebody said we need quality over quantity. And that is absolutely right. And that is why this is a process. That is why this does take longer um, than, than, you know, people want it to take. And, and it's just the way we go. It's, it's the way we move forward. Uh, let's pick up uh, this one from Dupe says, hit the like guys, get it to 150. Does that mean we've hit, 100 mark uh, i can see there's over 325 of you watching us live right now um wow incredible stuff uh, really chuffed we're on 93 likes so we're not even on the 100 mark yet so let's get to the 100 mark and then let's start hitting towards 150 as well um yonic goes on to say i don't know why everyone's overlooking the gaping hole at right back chambers is not going to cut it for us over an entire season yeah um I think that's fair. You know, I'm not 100% convinced about Callum Chambers at this point, but I also think Cedric is a pretty competent right back as well. I know he's taken a lot of stick from some fans. I know a lot of fans kind of were like, why on earth did we sign this guy? But I actually thought when he played last season at right back, he looked quite good. Uh, I thought he was really effective going forward. I thought he covered the left back position pretty well i know there were a couple of mistakes in there but they were mistakes caused by him being played out of position i do think he's got a part to play this season uh cedric and i do think that if they're both fully fit i actually would prefer him at right back to callum chambers if i'm honest uh so i think that it's not just callum chambers that we we've got in that position i keep saying it as well nuno Tavares is another player who 
can play at right back. So, you know, maybe it's uh, it's a position that, yes, needs addressing and Arsenal are looking at as, as one that they'd like to sort out. But when I just said that they're probably going to be a couple that we miss out on, I think this is one of them where I'd be quite willing and understanding if Arsenal said, we're going to put this one on the back burner and maybe deal with it in January. Um, that's that's my view uh, on that. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Peter says, uh, Harry, would you prefer Ainsley Maitland-Niles to stay a year and play right back if Arsenal don't have enough funds to replace Bellerin? Yeah, that kind of um, that kind of uh, ties in with with what I was just saying. Yeah, I did Ainsley Maitland-Niles completely went out of my mind, and I guess I'm kind of putting him out of my mind because of the fact that he is. Um, he is so kind of adamant that he wants to play in midfield. Like if if he does stay around the club to be a, a right back cover, I don't think he'd be happy with that. And I think he'd probably kick up a fuss and want to leave. But, you know, he is an option as well. He's an alternative, isn't he? So it's a good point and good one for reminding me. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Jay Dubia on the... Uh, Locatelli thing. He says, I don't think we should focus on Locatelli. He has a dream of playing for Juventus. Plenty of players want to play for other teams. Oh, no, sorry. He's saying, I don't think we should focus on Locatelli having a dream of playing for Juventus. Plenty of players want to play for other teams, i.e. Real, Barcelona, etc., but still play, play elsewhere. That's a good point as well. It's a good point uh, for sure. Um, let's pick up this one from... Wow, the chat is updating so quickly. I'm losing out. Uh, I'm missing out. Uh, Rank Dave says, uh, do you rate Aaron Ramsdale? Um, do I rate Aaron Ramsdale? I think he's okay. Um, I don't think he's worth £30 million, pal, to put it simply. Uh, I, I really don't. I just I, I just don't see it. Um, do I think we need a goalkeeper? Yes, we do. But do I think we need to spend that much on a goalkeeper? No, I don't, unless Bernardino is leaving. And as I've said over the last few days, I've not seen anything to indicate that he will be on his way. Uh, Umer Khalid, who's a Liverpool fan by the looks of it, says, as of now, what's your top four prediction? Uh, in, do you want it in order? or Not in order, because I haven't thought about it that deeply yet. My top four this season are going to be Manchester City, Chelsea, Manchester United and Liverpool. Uh, Assassin's asking if I've ignored his question. I've not ignored it on purpose, mate. I've, I'm sure I've missed out loads of people's questions. Pop it back in the chat and I'll uh, I'll try to get through to it. Uh, Master Yoda, love the name, says Chelsea fan here, mate. Arsenal just need a sporting director. That Edu bloke is a fool's is a fool. Pepe's price, Williams' contract, ridiculous. Edu had nothing to do with the signing of Nicolas Pepe, so you've got to give him credit there. Um, the only signing that I, I look at that, that Edu has made, and I've gone, well, you, you've made a bit of a blunder here, was the William one. Other than that, you know, I think Edu's done really well. He's not been involved in the Pepe deal, um, so we can't really criticise him for that. Uh, but welcome to the channel, mate. Good to see fans from other clubs uh, getting involved as well. Lewis Cooper says, um, do you think Pepe will play a bigger role for us next season, i.e. will he play more regularly? I think Pepe's gone a long way in showing Mikel Arteta uh, that he is ready to, uh, you know, to to really step up and be a massive part of this team. I thought his uh, sort of 
displays at the back end of the last season were were impressive. He scores goals. He provides assists. He runs defences ragged. But what he's also added to his game is that defensive side, that work rate that maybe was lacking. I think there was a bit of a kind of thing with Nicolas Pepe when he first arrived and it wasn't really going his way. And he, he probably knew that Unai Emery wanted Wilfred Zaha over him. And he probably came there feeling a little bit down and he was sulking a little bit, if I'm honest. And then there was the whole incident where he got sent off at Leeds last season and Mikel Arteta kind of dug him out and and talked about him letting the team down. And I thought that was a bit of a turning point. I think sometimes with players, when you dig them out publicly, it can go one way or the other. You can either spark them into life and give them the real kick up the backside that they need, or you can create a, a real big divide between yourself and that individual that is really difficult to put right and often spells the end of a relationship between two uh, two individuals. So I think in this case, Mikel Arteta took a massive gamble there. But I think when you look at how Nicola Pepe has pushed on since then, I think you probably got to say that part of that was, first of all, the way he was dug out publicly was a spark, was a turning point, I think, in Pepe's career. I think also you've got to give Arteta credit in the way he's coached Nicola Pepe because often, and, and I've seen this from the press box myself, Nicolas Pepe is somebody that Mikel Arteta pays a lot of attention to in-game. He talks to him a lot. He's telling him what to do a lot. And particularly uh, when he's playing on the side that Mikel Arteta is standing, you can hear him. And I've, I've noticed this in, on a couple of occasions where I was lucky enough to be at games during the, the lockdown, where you could hear every single word. Mikel Arteta, the way he switches from English to talk to some players, Spanish, and then he can switch to French and kind of give Nicola Pepe the instruction he needs in the tongue that he understands best. And it, it's just, I, I think he deserves a lot of praise there, Mikel Arteta. And I think that, you know, we give this guy a lot of stick and there are things that he's got wrong. There's no doubt about that. But I do think in that sense, he uh, needs some uh, needs some praise. Assassin General says, Harry, how do you feel about Edu taking selfies with Raul? It's, it's a bit of a non-issue to me, mate. I've got to be honest. Um, you know, the guys could be mates. It doesn't mean that, you know, just because Raul wasn't the right man to to continue the work at Arsenal and, and take Arsenal onto the next level, doesn't mean that him and Edu absolutely can't be friends. I mean, how many times do you see players, for example, uh, leaving a football club and keeping in touch with some of their former teammates and them sort of social, you can't then dig out that person. I think personal relationships and football relationships are two different things. And if Edu took a selfie with him, it's to me, it's neither here nor there. I've got to be honest. Uh, Alex Akundi says, Harry, it's 5.40 in the, in the morning. Get some sleep. Where is it 5.40 in the morning? I'm guessing United States, maybe. Um, it's uh, 10 to 11 in the morning here. Uh, I've been up for a while. I'm telling you, when you've got a, uh, when you've got a two-year-old son, you don't get lay-ins every morning without fail. 6.30 on the dot. He runs into my room and jumps on top of me. What can I do? <laughs> uh, Assassin also asks, who do you feel we will go in for in centre midfield as the war deal looks dead? Arsenal can't be complacent now. We need players who want to play for us and not convincing, like Arteta said. Well, there's a few options on the table. We talk about Neves quite a bit. Uh, I don't think the award deal is completely dead. I think it's only dead if Arsenal want it to be dead. Um and so the fact that it's not really progressed probably suggests to me that the club aren't 100% on that one. 
you know, the Locatelli thing is not completely dead as well, although it's, un- it's starting to look more and more unlikely. But the thing is with Arsenal, right, you can't rule out Arsenal just pulling a name out of somewhere that or, that we had no idea they were even interested in. You know, who knew that Arsenal wanted Nuno Tavares? I didn't. And when the player joined the club and signed for the club and gave his interview, he talked about how this interest had been there for ages. And there were discussions that went on a while ago and that it took ages to get this deal done. We heard about it a couple of weeks ago and then it was done. So sometimes we don't know as fans and even as journalists, we don't know everything. So you've got to be mindful of that. Uh, Let's pick up this one from uh, Manny Zander. It's a little bit um, more of a general question, but we'll pick it up because I think it's a good time. Uh, to discuss this as well. He says, do you think Saka, Rashford and Sancho would be booed at away grounds in the EPL this season? It might happen. Um, that was kind of one of my fears for Bukayo Saka. I, obviously, I don't want it to happen to Demarcus Rashford and Jaden Sancho as well. And, and the re- abuse that they received is obviously equally as unacceptable and, and disgusting. But I, I obviously thought about this from a Saka perspective, being an Arsenal man and and I kept kind of worrying about that. You know, is this going to be a- an issue for him? Is he going to go everywhere and get hell from opposition supporters? But I think, and I, and I know I've said this recently, I think the way that this has been taken on um, by the press, by the media, by people, you know, who maybe don't work in those two particular sort of areas, by just... The, I think there's been a massive outpouring of love and support for these three young men. And I'd like to think that most people would be old enough, strong enough, wise enough, clever enough and good enough not to do that. Um, You know, you want to boo an opposition player. You want to boo a Manchester United player because he's playing at the Emirates. That's going to happen. And that's fine. But if you're booing them because of what happened at Euro 2020, then you need to give your head a wobble um, because they were put in the position. Unfortunately, they didn't deliver on the day, but it is what it is. It's football and nothing uh, for me excuses sort of that kind of treatment. There's no room for racism. There's no room for abuse. A good mate of mine, uh, I give a shout out to Andy Pats. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago was... The problem with the football culture is that you will go into a stadium and you will abuse, say things, do things to people on that football pitch that you would never do to someone in the street. And that's part of the culture that we have in our game. And it's one of the negatives of our game. You know, you you can boo a team, you can even boo an individual player to be hostile, right? Because it's part of football. But the minute it becomes too personal and you cross over that line, I think is... um, is 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 part of where this kind of stuff kind of stems from because we've got that culture whereby we feel like we can go ott on the abuse and we're doing it in a safe environment in the stands because nobody's going to come up to us and confront us about it but when you think about it think about what you're saying you know if you're booing him because he dived or you're booing him because he made a bad tackle that's okay with me but the minute you start talking about his mum and his child and his wife and all of that stuff, just take a pause and think, would I say this? Would I go up to him in the street and say that? And if the answer is no, then should you really be uh, sort of dishing out that kind of treatment? Answers no. As I say, 
got no issue with booing because of a bad tackle, because of a bad refereeing decision, creating an atmosphere and, and trying to put off your opponent. That's part of football. But there's a line where it goes from being part of the game to becoming personal. And and that, for me, um, is, is not acceptable. And I think, especially on social media, where it's there for everybody to see is it's even worse for me. You know, you can shout something in the stadium and that message isn't going to get anywhere and it doesn't make it right, but it, it isn't being seen by the wider audience. And, and, and I think that when you act that way and you do it, especially on social media, it has like a fire effect where it just catches fire and just completely goes wild all around the place. And, and, and people get hurt by it and, and it's, it's just not acceptable. Say a big hello to Elliot, who says, greetings from Toronto. Great show. Why is it Arsenal are not interested in Bissouma? Puzzling to say the least. Um, the Bissouma thing is interesting because a lot of Arsenal fans are, are really big on him and really want to see him join the club. And as I've said uh, previously, it's not that I don't think he's a good player. I just don't think he fits in with what Arsenal want to do. I think there would be concerns from Mikel Arteta about his ball progression about his ability to drop back into that area pick up the ball from the center halves and uh and move it forward and, and progress us and play between the lines i think with brighton it's a little bit different because brighton last season for the most part were playing with three center backs and that meant that one of those guys and more often than not it was ben white would step into that slightly more advanced position meaning that bisuma could go around be a destroyer get involved a little bit further up the pitch, but never really had that responsibility of always being the one to receive the ball. Now, Mikel Arteta is uh, received the ball from the defence, I mean, under pressure. Mikel Arteta, I think, sees the game a little bit differently and he would like a midfielder that does that. And so it's not a case of him not being a good player. I just don't think he fits into the vision. Um, and uh, and that's that's probably why we're not uh, we're not moving for him. Uh, I'm just going to pick up a couple more bits and pieces because uh, we are coming towards the end of the show. Um, Stone Gorilla, who is a Leeds fan, says, uh, just thought I'd come in and let you all know Ben White is an absolute beast of a defender and I'm jealous he's going to you lot. Well done, Arsenal. Thank you very much. Um, I'll tell you what, it's, it's it's been great to see so many fans of different clubs uh, getting involved in the uh, show today. So uh, welcome to all of you. Hope that you'll join us uh, throughout the course of the season as well, because as I've said previously, we're going to be doing some more uh, general football related content as well. Um, I've been really overwhelmed by the support that you guys have shown the channel, uh, especially in the last year. Uh, so I really want to um, really want to reward everybody by hopefully reward, if that's in your eyes, a reward uh, by uh, bringing you guys more content and of a sort of wider kind of uh a wider kind of spectrum in terms of what we cover right uh we've got 146 likes on the board let's try and get it up to 200 there's more than 350 of you watching us across the multiple platforms surely that is doable um also uh what did i want to say i was going to say something and my mind has gone absolutely blank uh, da, 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 da. Also, yeah, that's it. Let me know in the chat box where it is that you are joining us from. Uh, I'd love to hear uh, from you guys where it is you're joining us from. And I will give you a shout out while wrapping up the show. Um, let's see. Let's pick up one more comment while you guys are getting those in. Um, 
Uh, Yonick says, uh, what were we? Third since Boxing Day, right? I love Emil, but he saved this dude's job. Yeah, Emil Smith-Rowe was a, was a massive uh, part of Arsenal sort of picking up and improving in the back end of the last season. But it's important to remember that, that when people say we didn't progress on the pitch, we had a terrible start to the season. We had a really bad period where things were really, really poor. But uh, we are... Um, we have shown improvement since Christmas. That's undeniable. The facts tell you that. Um, but now we need to translate that form into the new season and we need that form to be maintained over a longer period. So um, that's the challenge for Arsenal this season. Right, let's say some hellos and some shout outs to you guys. Uh, Tamash is joining us from Hungary. Dupe is in South Africa. Mike's in Catford. Catford, how you doing? <laughs> uh, the Mongoose says uh, Gold Coast, Australia. Joel's in sunny Bournemouth. Uh, Rank Dave is in Kenya. Soham is in India. He says, love your streams. Thank you. Uh, Derek says, uh, good day from Australia. Raphael is in Singapore. Rishab is in India. Chay uh, Chay says, the last Shangri-La. Uh, we've got Jamaica in the house. We've got bright and sunny Lancashire. Uh, uh, we've got Thailand. We've got London. We've got Birmingham. Brilliant to see people tuning in from all over the world. We've got um, uh, Inters in London. We've got Yassir in uh, the Horn of Africa. We've got Nigeria. Uh, so great to see, as I say, people tuning in from all over the world. Uh, let me do a couple more so uh, nobody gets upset. Uh, our change was lockdown in Melbourne. Um, Dave is from Leicester. Just got back from Madeira in Portugal. We've got another person in Catford, Snipe Dog Genius. We've got Mohammed in Indonesia. Peter's in South Africa. Uh, Elia is in Toronto. Uh, Salmson is in Sweden. Manny's in Istanbul. Um, Deo Gratius is in Uganda. And as is Kaka James. We've got Mr. Emilton Keynes. We've got Raylox in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Right. Brilliant stuff. We're going to leave it there and I will catch you all later on today. Come and join me live on the YouTube channel at 4.30 p.m. Alternatively, you can listen to the podcast version of our Rangers versus Arsenal review shortly after the conclusion of that show. So around about 5.36 o'clock, that will be available in podcast format. I'll catch you all very soon. Until next time, take care and enjoy the game today. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.